0: Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome to this episode of the Ace of Spade podcast, hosted by your boy right here, Anthony Spade. And on today's episode, I am joined by my second-ever Canadian guest, Brayden Miller. Um, this was a really cool conversation. We actually started off, we actually got really lost in the conversation with um, coaching, and we discussed the coaching industry, um, what we want to see, kind of a little situation that we've dealt with as coaches. Um, so we wanted to touch on that um, real quick. And then we get into a bunch of Braden's story and it's really freaking interesting Um, he literally went to rock bottom um, into a coma and he is now out of it, he is now back to training the way he used to um, and he's back to 240 pounds and he is killing it Um, so we go into his story and what happened um, how he overcame it what he's doing now to keep enhancing his life past that and so it was really awesome to get that um, get that experience of hearing that story in person, asking some of these questions. Um, so um, before we even get to the podcast, as you guys know, it has teamed up with, the podcast itself has teamed up with Morphogen Nutrition to offer you guys 10% off all supplements. Um, you guys have been crushing the code lately. I could tell you that. Um, I am really thankful for you guys for using my code. I'm extremely grateful for it. Um, I really want to do some cool things for you guys soon with them. So be on the lookout for that. Um, But in the meantime, keep supporting the podcast um, and keep supporting me by using code Spada. It really helps me um, actually get out there and be able to afford better podcast equipment and stuff like that. So definitely use the code. Um, And lastly, Symbiote Strength is looking to onboard a few more more clients. Um, If you are interested um, in becoming a superhuman, then definitely you're going to want to sign up because I am creating monsters in the gym, male and female. These these people, these athletes of mine are killing it right now. And if you want to hear about their experience, you can go see them on Instagram, have a bunch of their client uh, testimonials. So, um, yeah, if you want to sign up, the uh, application is in the show notes or you can DM me at Fitness. So I've already taken up two and a half minutes of this episode. Um, let's get to this episode. Let's welcome on. Braden Miller. All right, I was just saying this before we even got on the show, my second Canadian to ever come on the show. Um I am with Braden Miller. Um I kind of got introduced to Braden uh through his content on Instagram. Um that's how I even reached out to him like I believe 100% of my people who have ever come on the show have been reached out through through Instagram. Um and he makes some pretty cool content. Um he has some awesome workouts. His home, James, is pretty cool too, as well. Um, he's built himself quite, quite an interesting setup uh, in his garage that I kind of appreciate. When you get those types of pieces, um, you can kind of appreciate that aspect to it. Um, so, Brayden, welcome to the show. Uh, it's been we scheduled this a while, good amount of time ago, but I'm glad to have you on, yeah. and uh, we're getting it off to a good start in 2021.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, we uh, connected via Instagram, and I think it's a good thing, man. We can bring uh, bring some value to people and just chat.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, kind of just allow yourself, uh, give yourself some introduction. Um, who you are, kind of how you got into the fitness game, and uh, what you do now.
1: All righty, we'll do. Um, so, as Anthony uh, said, my name's Braden. I uh, basically got into fitness through hockey. I played hockey my entire life. Um, Through my upbringing, I was kind of a high-level hockey player. Um, When I was 18 years old, I moved away from home to play junior hockey, which is um, it was a really cool experience for me. It was different because I moved away from home at 18, right? Parents not with you. All you're doing basically, all you're expected to do is show up at the rink twice a day in the morning for a stretch and a run, and in the evening for practice or a game. And it's like at 18 years old, you become really close with a bunch of buddies, but there's not a whole lot to do other than party and and live it up which don't get me wrong I had my fun back then but uh, that's where I kind of it all started in the summer leading up to me moving away I had hired a personal trainer myself um, he was actually an Olympic athlete an Olympic sprinter and I hired him with the sole intention of making the junior team that I was going to camp for and I drastically changed my physique I was faster stronger leaner um, he basically had only helped me with the um, training side of things. So for me, I just I didn't know anything, so I just started looking on online for research and stuff. What to do with diet? So it was pretty sure everyone's been there. Bodybuilding.com, Bodybuilding.com, out what to do yeah. for. Food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, long story short, I look back at what I did now, and uh, it was kind of insanity. Crash <laughs> diet yourself, eating rabbit, eat, eating rabbit food all day every day. Not, uh, but you know what? It worked, man. I, like you said, I got leaner, I got stronger, I got faster and I ended up making the team. So then from that point forward, it was like, wow, look what, look what I did through a trainer and some nutrition for myself. Why? Like, how is this possible? So then I just started exploring. I started reading books. Um, I ran up on some certifications, got, while I was in Brooks, I ended up doing some online courses and some just very entry-level certifications and stuff. And at that point I had friends and family asking me like, Hey, how'd you do this? How'd you do this? And it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, you know what? (laughs) I don't really know. I don't really know, but this is what I did. And uh, I just kind of threw myself into the fire, man. And really wanted to learn about why, why what happened happened from me doing what I was doing with nutrition and stuff. And just, like I said, I was not doing it properly. I can tell you that much, but So from that point on, I ended up taking on some family members and friends that were just curious and I didn't charge them. I did nothing. I told them straight up, like, listen, this isn't what I do. I'm just a young kid learning here, but if you want me to help you and you're willing to to do it, we can try. So I kind of had some guinea pigs, which was nice and it was cool. And from that point forward, it just snowballed, man. I ended up playing, I only played junior for two years because I got uh, injured and never went back for my third season, but then I had, uh, I got offered a scholarship here in uh, my hometown to play for a university in my hometown. So I ended up taking that, played, uh, I was in my third season about halfway through the year. And same thing, man, it just felt like I needed to move on from that part of my life. It was, I felt like I was babysitting a lot. I was a captain on the team and I felt like I was just babysitting a bunch of kids that wanted to party. And I was so far beyond that. I wanted to move on a new realm of my life type deal. So what I did was uh, I ended up just hanging up mid season. I told my coach after Christmas that I, I wasn't going to play anymore. And that's when bodybuilding entered my life. Like I said, I had kind of been already big into nutrition. This is already three years deep of doing my learning and learning a lot of stuff. And at this point I was helping some people, Um, I was charging at this point because I was considering myself a trainer and I was certified to help people, but I was, I still wasn't full of that much knowledge. So I was still learning and everything, but uh, I went to one of my buddy's shows. He competed in men's physique and I knew nothing about the sport, but we trained together. We were good buddies. So went to the show and from that point on, man, I was hooked. I was like, what is this? I want to do this. This is crazy. How do we, how do I become involved in this? So I ended up uh, talking to him, figured out who he had for a coach at the time, hired the coach, which, you know, every coach you have is a learning experience, whether it's good or bad, it's a learning experience, right? And I did learn a lot. Um, at the time, he he helped me a lot. Now I look back on the things we did. Do I think they were the way I would do things with people? No, but it, it is what it is. Like I said, it's a learning experience. So once I threw my hat in the ring and got started on bodybuilding, man, it was the constant desire to be better every single day and show up better on stage every single time you show up and just kind of defying what we see as possible every time you compete is, uh, it was pretty cool to me. So that's where I just said that I'm going all in and I just started even furthering my, my knowledge and education on, it. I read some books by Scott Stevenson, stuff like that. So that's kind of what led me to getting to where I was. Um, during my time in university, I ended up getting a business degree and once I graduated, so I was in university for five years, had my business degree. The whole time I was in university, I was, uh, coaching and and training and helping people, um, doing one-on-one training as well. And, uh, once I finished university, I went and got the, the dream job. I had the corporate job, the big office, my own office. And I was, uh, Basically my degree was in supply chain management. And so I got a procurement position with um, a big company here and I did it for about six months and I realized this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like there's half the time I was sitting there getting my work done and doing research, man. <laughs> like, that, tells, that tells me something, right? So it's like this, these people are paying me to do something. I, I don't enjoy doing, I don't want to do long-term. It's only a matter of time before I actually decide I'm not going to do this. So after six months, I just said, I got to get out of here and go do what I love to do. And that was just helping people and learning more. So I had a friend at the time who was working in the corporate training world. And he was like, I know, you know what you're doing. I just, if you're going to leave your job, if you want to just make some cash at the time, come work for us at the gym here and see where it goes. So I, I did that. Um, He's actually my best friend. So they brought me on at uh, a little, a big Canadian chain gym called Good Life. Yeah. Um, I was at the busiest one in the in the city here and it was great. I had a full clientele, full roster, but I was pulling basically 14-hour days of one-hour, one-on-one clients, like from the time I got up, I was one-on-one training till the time I went to bed with a small block in there for me to train. And I was still bodybuilding this time. So basically for me, it was I was at the gym all day, every day. I never trained at the gym I worked at just because I took my training very seriously. And when people, when you're in a facility that you work at, everyone talks to you and comes up to you, you know, everybody there, including the members. And it just, it wasn't the atmosphere I wanted to train in. So that's where I would drive to bullpen gym, which was kind of an old school, hardcore gym in the city that had lots of hammer strength, plate loaded equipment and stuff like that. The dreamy stuff that we all love. Yeah, the good stuff. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where that led me. And I ended up uh, from that point on, We'll talk further about my incident and what happened with me. But after that, I went back to good life and it was only a matter of time before I realized that again, in the corporate world, it wasn't necessarily about helping people. And I felt I could help a lot more people than just being in one-on-one. I already had quite a few online clients and I was doing nutrition for a lot of people. My one-on-one clients in at good life, I was doing nutrition for and helping them. And I just realized at good life and at the corporate gym level, everything felt very salesy. Like they didn't even train half the trainers. There weren't trained properly in terms of training people. I was surrounded by, I don't want to sound arrogant in saying this. It's, I, I say this because I care, but I was surrounded by a bunch of trainers who I would not feel confident sending my mom or my sister or a family member to, because I watched what they're doing with some other people. And it's blatantly dangerous with some of it. You know what I mean? Like not teaching people the simple basics and and rather being taught how to sell personal training rather than actually be a good trainer. And that rubbed me the wrong way entirely. And I, I was coming home and talking to my now fiance all the time saying like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And she was like, well, why are you doing it then? Like, why don't you, you know, you're, you're good at what you do. You know, you're confident and you have the ability to do it. Why don't you do it? So that's when I started my, my company and walked in and handed in my two weeks and my boss basically said, well, do you want the two weeks pay and do you want to stay here for the next two weeks? And I was like, honestly, no, like <laughs> I don't <laughs> after being here for this long and and dealing with this and finally making my decision that now is the time, like I want to do my own thing now. So I walked away and obviously it's scary walking away from a paycheck. and. My fiance and I were, were building our first house at the time. Um, so there was a lot of yeah. things in in play that were kind of scary. But at the same time, it, it all works out, right? As long as you're willing to make it work and put in the effort, I feel like it all works out. And uh, that's kind of just like the person who I am, person I am. If you, if you work for it, and it's what I believe in, if you work for it, you can get it. It's just a matter of uh, putting in that effort. So yeah, that's a little of my journey from, from beginning to where we are now.
0: Yeah. I've, I mean, we have a few similarities. Um, We get totally touched on this another time. Maybe I'll come back on. Maybe we'll touch about your early days. Uh, But I remember being even just last year, I was that partier. I was that guy that like I worked at a bar. So with that comes the absolute uh, trend of, Hey, we're going to go out every single night that we don't have to work. And then, We have to work Um, and that led me down the path. And then that's when I kind of said enough was enough after blacking out one too many times. And it just kind of changed, changed my life in the perspective of going towards fitness as well. Um, Yeah, That made a big one for me, Um, but I could totally see also that this is kind of something I want to touch on real quick, but that like salesy thing that you were talking about with good trainers, we even see it online.
1: 100 crazy
0: dude. What we see with how often you probably get cases from people who have had coaches before, and it's just like they don't have the knowledge. And it's not even that they don't have the knowledge; they just think it's training and macros, and it really fucks everyone up. And we, and we as coaches that actually go out and, like you said, you were doing research and everything. Like you go out and you actually study, and you actually invest in your education. Like we had to fix those problems like 100%. back into it. And it's kind of the bad, that's what gives us a bad rap. And that's why people are sometimes hesitant to invest in us because they've had those experiences with coaches before.
1: Absolutely, man. And it's up, it's up to guys like us to make that change. Right. And bring the educated realm to the coaching industry. And, and we don't, at the end of the day, and I've, I've had this conversation with many people at the end of the day, you can't control who enters the industry as a coach, but you can control who stays. If you do your best and you're a good coach, you're going to, you're going to remain at the top for a long time, right? Like at the end of the day, the the people who are bringing these big facades to the table are going to be weeded out by the people who are good. And I know, like you've mentioned, you have, you've had Justin on the podcast and stuff. And like, there's a lot of people out there now doing good stuff and putting out really good content. And there's also the flip side where unfortunately, there's probably more people putting out shit content. And just because you're good at marketing yourself doesn't make you a coach. Like quite frankly, in my realm, and I even, I know my strengths and my weaknesses. And like, I know personally, marketing myself has has always been a weakness. Like I'm in the same boat,
0: I'm in the same boat.
1: (laughs) I made a post on Instagram today, man. And I've been slacking, quite frankly, I think that was my last post that I've actually put on my page in almost two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And that's for a guy whose business thrives online, it's not okay. And you're not going to attract business like that. But at the same time, if all you're worried about is attracting business and not servicing clients and not bettering yourself and bettering your own knowledge, where's the value in that? Where's the value you're providing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there's something to be said about doing a Google search and making an Instagram post on something you just read off of Google or not making a post period, but actually reading a book and spending the time that you'd normally have making all these posts and trying to promote your, promote your business versus actually spending time learning so that one day you can make these posts and share that information without having to do a Google search. Right.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it comes down to like, like I invest in a mentor right now, like I'm mentored by Austin Stout and it's, um, and he's helping me, he's helping me kind of teach me the information so that I can go and not only educate, but I don't educate right away until I've dealt with a case in which I've had to play around with that that I had that I'm deciding to educate on. I think a lot of people just do that Google search and then they just post information on it, but they don't have any, any kind of background into how to deal with those situations that could be easily applicable to people because that's what they come to your Instagram for is they look at they look at the in, they look at the information and they want to know, okay, how does this apply to me? and that's where you get into it with what are you actually doing with whether it's like fixing hormonal problems through supplementation or what behavioral changes do you help clients kind of deal with like i think a lot of things come back to that people often don't have that experience in it but they pretend to because they they've read that book and they just put that information out there
1: for sure 100 percent. like you said there's uh I think, I think knowledge comes in many forms. And I think to be, um, a leader and an educator, you need to have all the forms of it. So not just the book knowledge, you, you need to understand concepts and have the book knowledge, but then you have had to have had to needed to apply it as well. Right. Like these situations where, um, well, you were talking about hormones. So let's just go to a female coming off PDs and needing to get her cycle back obviously this is something you want to do as fast as possible. Well, you can read a million books on female hormones, but if you don't truly understand what PEDs are doing to to a female and you've never worked with somebody who's used PEDs, and you've never dieted somebody before and you've never taken them through the ringer of a contest prep before and got them to super physiological levels of body fat, you don't actually understand what is going on and how to deal with that. Right? Like you can understand hormones to a degree, But you have to understand all the parts of it that are coming into the picture there.
0: Yeah, actually, I've never done that. Um, I have never done a contest prep with a client before. So that's going to be an interesting thing. I have a few clients who want to do it. So I'm excited to actually do that one day um, because I think it really does test. It really does test your skills as a coach, Um, whether you can actually bring someone to stage condition and do it healthily like there is some there is some degree of you are giving up some health in a way because it's not healthy to do a contest prep, but do it as safe as you can and be able to bring them to stage and do a well enough job. Um, but I am dealing with someone coming off a hormonal birth control and that's not the easiest thing either, um, with females. So it's been quite the interesting journey the past few weeks with figuring it all out, trying to, We're starting to troubleshoot now and we're getting on the right path so it's like an interesting journey
1: it's funny you said the troubleshoot thing because that's like i'm a firm believer in that's what we are as coaches right we're professional problem solvers and and i don't think there's any better way to put it we are professional problem solvers there is no one way to skin a cat when it comes to this because what works now might not work another nine out of ten times so what do you do at that point and it come like there's a million ways where whether it's digestion, whatever you're talking about here, um, food intolerances, you have to be able to narrow things down and troubleshoot and then have solutions. Now, sure, we all have things we believe in and methodologies we believe in. And yours might be completely different than mine. Although I don't think it is. I think we share yeah. <laughs> a very, very similar mindset in a lot of things after stuff. But. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, like you said, you have to be able to troubleshoot. You can't. I couldn't write a book today saying this is how I do things and hand it off to somebody and them be able to replicate what I do. Just like I was working with Matt Jansen. I work with Matt Jansen. I'm sure he couldn't write just a handbook and pass it off to me. And I wouldn't be able to bring Sean Clarita in the way Matt Jansen did. You know what I mean? Like there's no possible way. Like, yeah i don't know if anyone could have done that, but
0: no i don't <laughs> think so either that, it. he was like a he was like the michelin man up on stage
1: he was perfect absolutely perfect but uh yeah dude that that's what, like you said so just to touch on that troubleshooting point that's what i personally that's my philosophy is we are professional problem solvers
0: yeah i always say there's a human connection part to it too you know I always say, everybody's like, Oh, how do you become a coach? I'm like, you have to realize the biggest risk that you run as a coach is that you are making a decision that could either make someone and it can benefit them. Like you had to make that choice between benefiting. And if you fuck up, you could legitimately do more harm to the person than you could good. Like there's a risk to actually being a coach. And a lot of people don't realize that is like, when it comes to check-ins, people think check-ins are like that. And like, honestly, sometimes they are like for athletes that are running and their biofeedbacks all coming back really positive and blood glucose and all these other aspects are really trending in the right direction. Check-ins like a one minute, like, Hey, we're not making any changes. You're doing a really good job. Stick to this path. But sometimes it comes down to when you had to make a change, you had to realize that there's a responsibility there that you you're taking that risk or adding a supplement that if you didn't do enough research and you didn't know how to troubleshoot a situation could do more harm in that, in those aspects. So I always give some fair warning to people who want to become coaches now thinking it's so easy. I'm like, you have to realize there's a, you have to be really analytical with your decision-making and it's very important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You nailed it. It's not something like at the end of the day, you have somebody's health in your hands, right? And what we all know is health is the most valuable thing because without it, you're nobody. So when somebody comes to you with, and there's a lot of pride in it too, right? Like people are putting their trust and their faith in you to properly guide them. And that's where I get extremely frustrated as a coach. When I take on a new athlete and, and I look at a previous plan that some other coach had this person working with and it's just it's it's not safe or it's completely like you said pushing people in the wrong direction like when you get somebody who's overweight and their previous coach had them eating 900 calories a day and doing two hours of cardio it's like where do you go from this like yeah what what was what was the plan here and that's where it's scary having having some people in the industry that are doing this but like you said we can't we can't dwell on that. We can just make sure we're, we're the difference makers, right?
0: Exactly. Um, and I kind of want to go into that because this is um, one thing that I see with clients. And this is something that we actually touched on before. Actually, that actually sparked us coming onto the show was um, one thing I run into is every single time, whether it's I have conversations with a bunch of people in the DMs. And it's like you see this all the time, the victim mentality, the the oh, poor me. I was in that boat at one point. Um, I can tell you when I was in that party mode and I was doing kind of crap in school and everything, it was like, oh, why is this happening to me? Like everything was happening to me. And I felt like everything was going in the wrong direction when it should have been going in the right direction. And people often get hit with a hit with a challenge. And this is where a coach is big is people get hit with the challenge and they often fail and they get and they think they're a failure and they give up. And that's where the victim mentality kind of sets tone in and precedent into their life is when they get hit with that challenge and they give up. But I kind of want you to touch on your kind of um, view on the poor me or otherwise known as the victim mentality.
1: Yeah. And we can use this as a segue into talking about the other thing we were going to talk about with uh, my personal experiences with it as well. But um, you know what, when we look at the victim mentality, I, I have, A couple things um, that come to mind for me. And one of the first ones is we all have a choice, right? Every single day, when you get out of bed, you open your eyes, you have a choice. You have a choice about what you're going to do that day, whether it's you work a job, you have a choice to go to that job. If you want to, you have a choice. If you hate your job to quit that job, you don't have to show up there, right? You have a choice to, to exercise. You have a choice to push yourself, how hard you push yourself in that exercise you have a choice to follow a diet or you have a choice to don't every single thing we do in this life is a choice. You know what I mean? So with that being said, things are going to happen or if you have a victim mentality, things are going to happen to you. So if something happens, don't, I'm just a firm believer that don't take it as a personal thing against you, whether it's something you can control or not, when something happens, make the decision to just, it happened. It didn't happen to me. And that's a choice you're making. You're you're choosing to not be a victim. Because if something arises in your life, that's a challenge. And let's say um, you, you fail an exam. We'll talk about school. You fail an exam. And you failed that exam despite the fact you studied hard for it, whatever. Well, you can be pissed off and pout and be upset about it or you can simply say to yourself this happened I studied hard I have to choose to study harder next time around if I want to pass that test right and it's a very very simple way to look at it but it also is very very impactful if you do that in every situation you've been in right so that's one of the biggest things and then choosing to do things with intent like everything you do needs to have intention so When you, for instance, if if we're putting a client on a diet, the intention might be for a lifestyle client who's overweight to lose weight. Now, from their end, the intention is to lose that weight. But now when they sit down for dinner and they choose to put an extra 15 grams of rice on their plate and then cover their, I don't know, rice with some kind of sauce that has 12 grams of fat per tablespoon in it or something. Again, that's a choice they're making. And the intention there does not align with their goals. The intent of flavoring their food is not aligned with losing weight. Now, if said person, if their intentions are aligned, they're going to put to the exact gram, how much they're supposed to be having on that plate. They're going to use Bragg's liquid aminos or, low sodium soy sauce or something that's low in calories that they're able to eat on their plan and not throw out, throw them away from their goals. So just kind of, I mean, the the intention part is a little bit of a sidestep from the victim mentality thing. But at the end of the day, I think it all comes back to having a choice in every single thing you do when a challenge is, is put in front of you and something is put in front of you, whether it's life changing or not, you have a choice to overcome that challenge in one way or another.
0: Yeah. I actually wrote, I actually wrote a post today. Um, I talked about, like I said, the biggest, one of the biggest tools that's in your belt is, or something that you need to kind of at least have a mentality going into anything with a coach I said is, is anticipation is knowing and not like anticipation of, Oh, what's to come. It's anticipating what your journey is going to entail. I was like, everybody always comes to me. They're like, I want to lose like 40 pounds or some sort of ridiculous number. And I'm like, it's not going to be a full, we're just going to go straight down and get you down 40 pounds. It's going to be, get you down 20, maintain for a while, get you down another five, maintain for a little bit. It's like, you're going to hit parts, but during that 20 pound, first 20 pounds, there's going to be some hiccups somewhere. I'm like, it's just going to happen. I was like, you have to anticipate failure in a way. I was like, you had to anticipate that some days, like for example, for me, like if I had to go into the office for work and say, I forgot my meals, it's like, well, first off, I would never forget my, I don't think I would forget my meals because they're too important. But um, let's say I did. It's like, you have to improvise and find a way to get it done. Like you always got to anticipate things and see how to get it done. But you're right. I think a lot of people's, I wrote this the other day too. I was like a lot of people's why as to to why they're doing it is what leads to this mentalities because they don't have a big enough reason for why they got started in the first place.
1: Yeah. 100% man and it's like you said when when you have something put in front of you like you forgetting your meals, which wouldn't happen, but hypothetically, <laughs> you have to pivot and adapt. And that's a that's a term that one of my mentors uses all the time I and mean, he's kind of him and I have spoken a ton about this. And just from the business standpoint, you have to pivot. And this year, 2020 and 2021, is a perfect example of that, right? It's a perfect example where a lot of us have been put in a situation where you can accept that victim mentality. You can bring it forth and embrace it, but what is it gonna do? When the whole world shuts down and you don't have access to a gym anymore, poor you. You're going to eat shitty. You're going to get fat. But your goal is to be a national level bodybuilder at the end of the day. You are making a choice to not continue to pursue your goals or you could be tighter with your diet. You could find some way to to make up some more money to get some home gym equipment. Like, I mean, we're not going to, I'm not going to be ignorant and I say this to all my clients At the end of the day, if you buy a couple bands, you're not going to build a lot of muscle. (laughs) Like I don't care who you are. It's just not going to happen. With with a resistance band, you are not going to go build a ton of muscle. But you're better off doing that than falling completely off. You know what I mean? So, again, that's a choice. You have a choice in those situations. And this year is a prime example of where we could have been victims. And there was a lot of people, and I still see a lot of people, who are victims to COVID-19. Yeah. Pivot, go about your daily life, find a way to still get closer and closer to your goals every single day. Yeah, I know. At, I knew at the end of the day, it's that champion mindset, right? Now champion just doesn't have to mean you're standing on stage holding a trophy at the end of the day. It's championing everything in your life, no matter what it is you approach.
0: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people don't see it. But when you come into at least the business aspect, at least for us, you got to think about, I have to dominate my day. So at least us as coaches, we have more responsibility to not have this mentality because we have to show up for the people that are paying us and are coming to us for help. Because if we're not showing up, this is, this is what really drives me now is I have my own why mine goes all the way back to when I was 17 and I almost committed suicide, but mine goes, but mine now with and a lot of people think I could get into the growth of coaching. A lot of people think you're automatically going to blow up on coaching. I want to say that's false. Um, it takes a lot of work to grow um, a coaching company. Um, a lot of people don't think so, but I can tell you I have 13 clients. It started off with one last year. So that's so that's where it you could get somewhere, but it's yeah. slow. Uh, but my my job now is to show up for those 13 people that have trusted in me to help them get to where they are. So if I can't get to where I am, like where I want to be, then what's it going to show them? It's going to show them that they, that they can also F off and that they'll, that they'll get to their place someday. It might not be like right away, but it's, but it's the fact that I am fully intended on accomplishing my goals because that's what, that's what I set forth in my mind. A lot of people don't have that all or, it's on all or nothing mentality, but I have that. I'm going to go kill it every single day. Kind of Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality when it comes down to it.
1: Yeah. hundred percent, man. Like you said, I mean, I think, I think in, in some, some ways, I think you can even compare it to an all or nothing. You know what I mean? Because, and I'm not saying you're a prior, I think there's a difference between committing to something and, putting it at the top of your priority list. I I do think you can have multiple priorities. Like for me, for the past while I've, my priority has been my business and my clients and stuff, but I also have a priority to myself to continue to get better every day and lead by example and, and show my clients that I'll do it alongside of them and not just say, here's what I want you to do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So and that, that's another thing. I, I think as coaches, it's very important, like you said, to to have our own intentions and demonstrate that hey, you're not alone. Like this is it's we're we're in the trenches with you. And there does come a point where um obviously it, it's not feasible for some to always be in the trenches forever as coaches. Yeah. But at least have the experience and look the part too. You know what I mean? Like there's there's ah, I'm
0: still small, I don't know what it means. I'm still I'm still tiny, bro. I don't know what that means.
1: <laughs> hey man, you don't, you don't you don't have to be huge to be a, a quality coach, right? But I guarantee you, you peel that stuff off, you're in shape. Yeah. And and that's where it's uh it's just important, like you said, to lead by example in, in every realm because you can't ask somebody to do something that you'd never do yourself.
0: Yep, and your kind of why goes back, and I kind of want to get into your why because I think this is a big big part to your story. Um, so take me back to I'm gonna say it was almost three years ago at this, what is it like two and a half years yeah, ago? Yeah. Uh take us yeah, back yeah, to yeah. that to that moment on uh July 17th, 2018, because this is probably I would say, in my opinion, after reading it, is probably your biggest turnaround probably in your life probably will ever be most likely.
1: Yeah, it was man. And like, honestly, the, the story that I'm about to tell and like, I've I've said this to everyone I've basically talked to about this and for the people who are a part of my life when this happened and even anyone I tell this to, they might think it's crazy when I say this, but if I had to go through what I went through to get to where I am today and and walk through hell and, and walk on glass to get to where I am today I would do it 10 out of 10 times again. And like we said, it's, it's choosing to not be a victim of your surroundings, right? Um, now, I would never want my family or my friends and my fiance to go through it again. That was the hardest part. But for me, I would absolutely do it again to get to where I am today. So, yeah, I guess we'll jump into it. So back in July of 2018, um, I was... I had committed to doing the Arnold Classic that year. It was gonna be kind of my biggest show to date. I had won a couple competitions as a light heavyweight. I won a um, regional show here, then I won a provincial show. And uh, I went to the national level and did, did a show. And that was kind of where, just where I got my feet wet at the national level. And my goal was top 10. And then after I kind of got top 10, I, I accomplished that and finished above where I had wanted to. And I was kind of over the moon. And then I just decided I was like, man, that was not like I know I wanted top ten, but that was not actually what I wanted. After I've been there, like I want that pro card, I want that first place. So I, I reevaluated what I was doing. Um, I parted ways with my coach at the time. He was my original coach that I had started working with and kind of brought me into the sport. And I ended up hiring another coach who had um, a better resume, better experience, and was smart. Like he, everything we talked about, we we resonated well with. Um, I actually ended up working together with him, um, coaching side by side for a bit later on. But anyways, that's besides the fact. So I was in the middle of my off season preparing to get ready for the Arnold Classic. I was the biggest I'd ever been. I was about 250 pounds. Um, (laughs) I I, I was big at the time for me being 5'9 too. It was, I was big for sure. And um, obviously bodybuilding, cranking and, and so forth. Um, at the time of my accident I was actually cruising and um, I had it was on my lunch break from good life where I was working the the corporate gym I was working at I was a stressed basket case running all over the house I had to get passport pictures done and stuff so I was uh, i I'll, I'll touch on that after but anyways I go to the gym on my break after I had already forgot a meal at home just like we were talking about so I was stressed out ran back home got my <laughs> meal ate it go to the gym. And, uh, I met my coach at the gym. He was with me training and the gym that we trained at this bullpen gym was to put it in perspective. Like I said, it's an old school hardcore bodybuilding gym in the three years that I trained there. Um, I want to say I, there was probably 10 members that I could say were, were consistently there. Like there was nobody there ever. Yeah. So when, uh, Spencer and I were in the gym, it was just him and I, and the owner's mom who usually ran the gym during the day she's 75 years old and uh, so we were training legs got warmed up did the whole thing um, did a couple warm-up sets and after my first warm-up set I felt super lightheaded, and so I stepped back kind of just was like whoa coach and I thought it might have been blood sugar related I was using insulin at the time and we're like you good and I was like yeah no I feel totally fine so we- Waited it out, went back in for another um, kind of last warmup set before top set. And uh, I, I, there was a video actually of my last warmup. And it was, I remember clear as day, I believe it was 40, a 405 back squat. And I did it, racked it. And when I walked away from the squat rack, I just collapsed. And like collapsed right onto my knees, head in my chest. And uh, so my my coach at the time, himself actually had um some very 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 bad heart problems he had actually gone in for heart surgery he had an external pump that he wore in kind of like a lululemon satchel that fed his heart and pumped his heart and uh i believe when this happened he kind of went into shock and like i said it was just him there so he didn't do anything at first and um, then he ran and got Rena, the mom of the, the gym owner, and she came and I was just, by this point, I was just laying there and on my knees slouched down, nothing happening. And, and he didn't really react because like I said, he was in shock. He wasn't sure what to do. And so she, she grabbed him, she grabbed a Gatorade. They were trying to give me some Gatorade, but I was like, out, out. Yeah. Um, so finally, they called an ambulance and... Neither one of them knew Spencer was kind of in shock, like I said, so he didn't really come to or give me CPR or anything, or chest compressions. And Rena, being her age, didn't really know what to do. So the paramedics walked them through it and she began doing chest compressions on me. And uh, finally, kinda, he came around and took over. And long story short, I was intubated on the gym floor Um, Rushed to the hospital and I had, uh, what had happened was when I was squatting or whatever led up prior to this, I actually split my aorta into kind of a V Okay. and when this happened, um, a blood clot, whether it was at the time or over time had formed in there. Long story short, I essentially, um, had a long sustained tachycardia so essentially a heart attack or cardiac arrest I heard a million different things I was in the hospital for 12 weeks with them trying to figure out exactly what happened but uh, sorry I think it was 10 weeks actually Um, long story short I got taken to the hospital and they ended up putting me into a medically induced coma um, to to reduce the brain swelling and so forth because I had gone upwards of 15 minutes without oxygen. So when there's obviously, normally there's severe issues with that, um, brain issues and so forth. And they were very worried about that. They had actually told my, they took my family and my fiance and so forth into a room and told them there was a 90% chance that, um, I wouldn't come out of a coma and the 10% chance that I did, I was most likely going to be brain damaged or brain debt. And uh, so I'm, I'm just very lucky to be here today overall. But yeah, so they put me in this brain cooling is what they call it. Essentially, they put me into a hypothermic state, a controlled hypothermic state, um, where, like, I guess you see in the movies, like cryo freezing, where they freeze people for millions of years. That's essentially what they did to me, like I was cold to the touch. Um, yeah. And then after a few days, they, they started to thaw me per se and see what happened and I opened my eyes and came to and didn't know what was going on the first thing I did was try to rip the tube out of my mouth luckily my dad was there I never would have spoke again um but yeah so that's kind of my journey and it was pretty it, it rocks you pretty hard when something like that happens because obviously it's no small feat um I ended up having to have a it's called an SCID, a subcutaneous um, defibrillator put in. So it's actually, I don't know if you can see it there, but yeah. it's right under my lat, right under my lat right there. And uh, yeah, so that's that's with me forever now. I had uh, surgery in August and was released at, I believe it was the beginning of September. And that was kind of the journey for me. And when I was, talking to cardiologists and doctors after this whole thing, I was told that essentially I couldn't get back to doing what I love to do. I was told I couldn't bodybuild anymore. I was told I couldn't train hard anymore. Um, I was told I needed to stay small per se and keep my body weight down and and all these things. And to be, to hear that when you are somebody who has like, I guess, let me rewind for a bit. I had become so obsessed with bodybuilding that that was all that was important to me at the time. And it's, it's sad for me to say that, but that's kind of who I was at that time. I wanted to, to invest myself in one thing and go full on into that thing. So even today, like I've, me and my fiance have had conversations about this. And if my accident would have happened, And everything that took place didn't happen. I probably wouldn't be with her today because I was at the point I was pushing her so far away from me, just because all I cared about was eating, sleeping, training. And and that it's, it's sad to me because you can be multidimensional and you can do other things and be very successful. But at the time I was so invested in just one thing, getting on stage at that Arnold classic and being a pro bodybuilder that everything else around me kind of faded away. So very lucky she stayed with me and was by my side the entire time as was my family. But uh, yeah, it it was super, it's defeating at first where where you have all these people who just saved your life and their job is educating and saving people's lives. And now they're telling you the only way you're gonna stay alive is if you don't do what you know how to do and what you've eat slept and breathed the last few years. Yeah. So for me, like you said, it's very defeating, but I made a decision to myself and I, I basically said, fuck you. I'm uh, I'll decide what I do. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it gets to a point where there, there's doing things the right way and doing things stupid, right? Like if I got out of the hospital and slowly bounced back to training and all of a sudden started ripping a bunch of gear again and planning to get back on stage. Well, that's, that's suicide mission. And at that point I'd be asking for a lot of bad things to happen. And at that point we just wouldn't have been smart. And that's not how that wasn't my way of, of me proving to myself. I could, that wasn't the way I wanted to go. So the way I wanted to do it was, you know what? I wanted to prove that I can get back to training full tilt. I can come off the medications. Cause I also had another doctor, who, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with beta blockers or ACE inhibitors, but oh. basically, basically like one of them controls the adrenaline response. And one of them helps lower blood pressure through a bunch of different pathways. But anyways, they had me loaded on these things, right? Like they want to eliminate any stress off the heart. So like, dude, my resting heart rate when I was asleep was like 30 beats per minute. And like, I would stand up out of my chair and I'd get lightheaded. And I'm like, this is not normal. I I'm very, I understand vitamins. I understand supplementation. I understand a lot of stuff that I can naturally do to help keep my blood pressure down, but they don't understand it. Right. It's actually funny. I took my, um, I took my revive blood pressure bottle to my cardiologist and was showing him what's in there. And he straight up said to me, I have no idea what any of this stuff is. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I, I get it. They're not naturopaths. They're not trained in herbal medicine yeah. or remedies and stuff like that. It's, it's the pill for the ill. They find out exactly what is going on. Here's the script and so forth, but, and their job is to keep us alive. Understandable. But at the same time, when my quality of life, like some of the side effects off beta blockers, I'll just be completely open and honest here. Like, as a 26 year old guy, when you have erectile dysfunction and you have zero libido, that is not okay. Especially when you're recently engaged in stuff like this. And I want to, I want to be sexually active for for the rest of my life. Right. I'm 26 years old here. I'm used to cranking and I'm used to running trend and test and all these things where that's a whole nother spectrum. (laughs) And now it's the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. Now it's the exact opposite. And like, I felt like a shell of a man, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, like you just have, it's very, very hard when your hormones are at that place. Cause like I said, I had also been cruising and I had been running gear for a couple of years. And then I come off cold Turkey when I'm in the hospital and I tell my, I tell everyone at the hospital, I, I asked to speak with an endocrinologist and I say, this is what I need to do. I need, I need to get on at least some HCG. I need something to, to properly bounce back here. And I got taken basically to the cleaners by an endocrinologist ripping me a new one saying I'm a psychopath with what I've done to myself with drugs and this and that. And like, I, I don't know, man, it's it, again, that was just defeating in itself. Cause I'm like, listen, I'm vulnerable here. I'm telling you that I, I know where I was and what I did. And I understand all this stuff, but I'm also sitting in a hospital bed right now knowing how much worse it is to have, testosterone levels of a prepubescent girl you know what i mean like my levels were zeroed right out and they maintained there for a long time even when i was out of the hospital and i kept i went to a couple different cardiologists or sorry endocrinologists and they all said the same thing to me one of them wanted to give me androgel which i'm not sure if you're familiar with that but it's uh Shit. <laughs> it's a testosterone cream. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm a partner, you don't really want that. I don't want my fiance getting testosterone cream on her. <laughs> and uh, the other ones just told me, wait it out six months and then we'll see. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. So long story short, like I said, I was already kind of had the short end of the stick with my hormones and so forth. And now you are going to give me a drug. That is literally just going to plummet my mood through the floor. It's going to actually make it to the point. I have zero libido from any libido that I was managing to hang on to. And like I said, it just, it, I was at the point where I felt like a complete shell of a man. And at that point there was only one thing that I knew could bring back some sort of happiness to me. Right. And that was where it was like, you know what, I'm going to prove that I can do this. I can come off my medication, I can get back to training. And I had a doctor and I'll remember it like it was yesterday, I'll never forget this. Um, My mom took me to an appointment. I wasn't supposed to be driving at the time. So she took me into an appointment and I had asked my one cardiologist, how long do I have to be on these beta blockers and ACE inhibitors for? And I was 26 at the time. He looked at me and he said, how old are you? And I was like, 26, he goes, uh, 74 years and walked out of the room. And for me, I'm like, are you serious? Like, I just want to have a conversation here. You're telling me that I have to be on these drugs that are my quality of life is shit on. You're telling me I have to stay on them for the rest of my life and you're not going to have a conversation about it. So that was like, that was the turning point for me where I said, no, this is not going to happen. I'm not staying on these drugs for the rest of my life. I'm not just going to sit here and exist for the rest of my life and be the coach who doesn't train or doesn't diet or anything. It's like, I'm going to prove that I can do this. So that's kind of been my, my goal with it since 2018 when this all happened, it was one of my goals was to come off my medication and have my heart in a really good spot. Now, every single checkup that I've done since my um, accident my heart has improved my cardio my cardiograms have gotten better and better um that's why i have done all this because like i said i understand a lot of this stuff so just telling me that here's a couple scripts when i know there's other things i can take to keep my blood pressure in a really good spot that it's just not logical to me right so i ended up um it's, I did some things that I wouldn't recommend people do, but I obviously I'm very on my side of things. And like, I have even Matt could probably attest to this, the, the statistics I take on myself from monitoring my blood pressure every morning to logging my heart rate, my, you name it during training. I, I keep statistics of this kind of stuff for me, for my side of things. So I can see trends in my own health and blood glucose and you name it so what i did was i decided that i was going to slowly taper and my my cardiologist did taper down my dosage of some of these drugs and i i have an amazing cardiologist that i work with now and he's very understanding but not understanding to the point he would just pull me off the drugs yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know what he has he has uh, he has a point it's his job to help keep me alive but at the same time like i said i'm not out here doing suicidal stuff so he kept bringing my doses down a little bit and a little bit and nothing felt nothing changed with the way I was feeling in terms of standing up and getting lightheaded. Like my blood pressure was sometimes man, it would be one over 60. Yeah. And it's it was low. And my heart rate was super low. And it's just like on, on top of the other side effects, there's a lot here that like, okay, you're, you're pulling so much stress, stress off of, off of my heart. But at the same time, like, I can't live like this. I'm 28 years old, 26 years old, 27 years old. So he he ended up bringing down my dosages. And what I did that I don't recommend people do is I continued to taper them down myself. And I monitored every single variable that I have in terms of blood pressure, you name it. Those everything was being monitored by me. Um, I didn't tell him. And I went back for my next echocardiogram and all my tests that they were doing ultrasounds and you name it um, and improvements again. So I go into his office and we sit down and talk and he's like, Oh, look, see, everything's working great. We've been able to take, taper down your dosages and so forth. And look, you're still getting better. And then that's when I just said to him, I said, listen, I, I tapered down my dosages further than you wanted." And again, he, he still wouldn't kind of bend with me. So that's when I just said, you know what, I'm going to come off these things. So I came off them completely. Um, I, I stayed on my ACE inhibitor, but came off my beta blockers entirely. Um, and again, continued past that point and checkups were good. So then I told him that, Hey, I've been off the beta blocker. And finally he said, you know what, if, if this is where you're at and you're being honest with me, I can refer to your family doctor that we take you off the beta blocker. Um, And then same idea had ended up happening with the ACE inhibitor. A couple more appointments later, I was doing the same thing with my ACE inhibitor and I was monitoring things. I was monitoring training. I was doing a million things, listening to my biofeedback and uh, it, it same thing happened. I ended up coming off of everything completely. And now I won't say that I don't, supplement or, or vitamin very aggressively use vitamins very aggressively i do i spend probably four or five hundred bucks a month on vitamins um i swear by the revive stuff but i i know for a fact that that's one of the reasons why i've been able to transition off of stripped meds and sustain kind of a, a healthy environment while still doing what i love to do because i'm you've seen like i've gotten back to the point that I ended up hiring Matt Jansen this last year. I ended up getting my body weight back up to 240 pounds almost. And I'm not using gear. Um, I think that's another thing is like, I understood that I would never crank really again. And I couldn't, I couldn't afford to the way I used to. So the only thing that would get me to kind of where I want to be is hard work. And that's where I, I continued to refine my training and I'll still always be a student of, student of this and learning new ways to advance and push further. But that's kind of where I put, put it all together was decided that, you know what, I'm going to do this until I can go out on my own terms. And you're not going to tell me when I can go out. Cause at the end of the date with, at the end of the day, with the heart issues I have, it would be very ignorant to say I can do it as long as most people. And I can train that way forever. I can't, there's an expiry date on it. And pushing it is something that is a bit scary at times. You know what I mean? It's like, I've gotten to the point I'm very strong again too, without um, a bunch of anabolics. And yeah, that's you're- good. But that's what, where- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, you know, what? I, I know the other day I kind of told you something that I had made a change on my own end. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. So, as of recently, actually just this week, I've decided, you know what, I've I've kind of, for two and a half years, I, I've made my point. I've proved to myself, I have proved to my doctors that you're not going to put me in a box and tell me what I can do. Because I'll step outside that box, I'll burn that fucking box down, and I'll show you what I can do. And that's kind of what I did for the last two and a half years I had a riot doing it and I pushed myself harder than I ever have. I've achieved kind of everything I wanted to. And I've gotten to the point now where I think if I push much harder, it can be for me a negative thing. If that makes any sense for my heart and my health, I have to look at it from the standpoint of my fiance and my family and so forth and my clients and the people who depend on me. And it's like, If I keep towing that line of putting 450 pounds on my back or taking all these sets to failure and so forth, there is gonna be a day where my body says no more. So the decision I've made recently is I'm gonna pull back from it. Um, I've actually had a, a really good conversation with Matt. And the only reason I'm doing this is again, like I said, because now I'm doing it on my terms. This is me saying, okay, I've proved my point. I'm still going to lead by example. I'm going to stay in very good shape. I'm going to follow a diet. Sure. I might enjoy life a little bit more and go have some dinners with my fiance and stuff, but I don't need to be 240 pounds to do what I love. I don't need to train balls to the wall to failure with heavy ass weight on a bar. And, and it's just, it's one of those things for me that I've come to peace with it now. It was, uh, I had a couple kind of emotional days to myself, just making that decision. But this time around for me, it honestly feels right. I I don't know if I can explain that. It's more just a thing of when somebody sat in front of me two and a half years ago and said, no, 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 you can't do this anymore. It, 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 as I've mentioned this whole time, it didn't sit well with me. Whereas now when I'm, Laying in bed one night and I say to myself that there's there's things going on that I have to understand I can't do forever. And if I try to, it's going to end up leaving me in the same spot I was two and a half years ago. So I've done what I wanted to do in the past two and a half years. I know for a fact I'm not getting back up on stage. I'm not going to be a pro. I can't crank. I can't do that again. I don't know if I'll ever be as good as I once was. So what do I have to prove? Well, the only thing I wanted to prove was exactly that, that I could still do it and I could still get to where I am. And I'm proud of what I've done. And uh, like I said, Matt has been um, a godsend for me. He's an amazing man. Working with him has been absolutely amazing. I've learned so much from from guidance from him. And we see eye to eye on a ton of things. And when I kind of brought this to him and talked about the health aspect and what I need to do moving forward, he was 100% on board with it and understood it, and uh, obviously, you know Matt, and he is going through something very similar to himself with his own surgery and his pec tear and so forth. So, yeah. for him, for him to say to me, "Man, you're gonna have an interesting time," because obviously, one of my big things that I want to do here is pull my weight down from um, around 240 now to, I don't know if I, I mean, lower 200s is probably. <laughs> Say, I don't know if I, like when I sat in a hospital bed for almost 12 weeks straight, it was just over 10 weeks or whatever it was. I went from, like I said, 250 pounds roughly to 196 pounds when I left the hospital. And that was, I lost basically 50 pounds in 55 pounds in that 10 to 12 weeks. I can't remember the exact amount of time it was. So for me to not move barely and be eating (laughs) hospital food, I was lucky, and my parents were bringing me a lot of food and stuff too. But when that happened, I lost 50 pounds there, and that was the closest I've ever. That was just below 200 pounds for me to say I can get to 200 pounds now with still training, just not training as intense as I am, and still eating. I truly don't think it's going to happen now. No, I think I,
0: 220 is going to be the good 22 215, two yeah, like 215 220. I think
1: around awesome. that 215 mark is going to be very good. This past summer, I got myself quite lean right before I started with Matt. And I was hovering around 215 and I was pretty shredded. I had some small glute striations and stuff starting at that point. So with that being said, I know I'm going to have to, I am going to be giving up some muscle and so forth. And I, I got to come to terms with that. But like I said, Matt's, uh, I'm lucky to have worked with a guy like Matt and established a relationship with him because he said to me, like, I'm going through something similar. And I can tell you right now, the next few months when you're embracing this decision is going to be harder, the hardest thing you've ever done. Because for the last how long, all I've known is building muscle and working to build muscle. You know what I mean? Even when I, like as soon as I got out of the hospital, I made myself a new diet to start following so that I could enhance my recovery and get back in the gym sooner. And then as soon as I was back in the gym, it was started writing new plans to follow and advancing those plans as I was able to do more and more things. So it's going to be a completely different journey for me, but I'm really excited because I'm going to shift my focuses elsewhere. I want to continue to grow as a coach. I have very big goals as a coach. And that's another thing that led me to this decision was just, I I know I can't coach forever if I keep training the way I do, because I don't think I can live forever if I keep training the way I do. So for me to keep impacting others and helping others, it's, it's important for me to do this, I think. And you know what, I turned my goal changed from becoming an IFBB pro to helping others become IFBB pros. And obviously I do the lifestyle side too, and just help people with their goals, whether it's general weight loss or whatever. But last year I or in, it was uh, sorry, before this whole COVID thing, it's time flies. But uh, in 2019, I took a very good client of mine now to Canadian nationals and ended up earning him his pro card. We won it together. And that feeling, the year after my accident, where I, I was still smaller at the time, I was probably hovering around 215 or whatever around that time. <laughs> but that feeling, when they called his name and held his hand up on stage and he won that pro card, man, I don't know if I could replicate that winning a pro card myself. And yeah. the more that I think back, to that, he's making his pro debut this year, and like we fully intend on on having a, a very loud pro debut. Pro debut, but it's just these things, they get me so excited, right? Like my training partner, he's, he's doing a contest prep. I have a lot of good clients going into contest preps here right away as the season comes around. Hell man, I have, I have a client who <clears throat> is, <clears throat> pardon me, started at 430 pounds and just last week um, told me he's, when he checked in, he was 397 pounds. And that's the first time he's seen that in over two and a half years below 400 pounds. So those things to me are more valuable at this point than me continuing to push as hard as I am. I'm still going to like I said, lead by example and and be a pillar of health and athletic. That's probably the look I'm going to go for. I think there's a more athletic. (laughs) Athletic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and like I say, it's my, my training is going to have to change. I'm, I'm a very, very big believer in um, high intensity, low volume training.
0: Yep. So I do
1: because, because, because the intensity is not going to be there. I'll probably take my own volume up a tiny bit. I'll probably transition to like a bro split versus just do Jay Cutler. Uh, style. Split. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know what I mean? It's okay for me. I've accepted it now. And I'm at the point where I'm almost looking forward to it because I have these other goals with my business. I have these other goals for a lot of my clients and it's like, that means more to me than me going into my garage gym every day and loading the bar up as heavy as I possibly can and coming out of there fucked up every night.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's me right now. I'm with um, – I'm being coached by uh, Mark Tominek, And he's he, – I was in a very It's kind of touch on this. I was in a very, like, high cortisol anxiety state before starting with him. Um, yeah. I went to the doctor and I got my stuff tested for nobody. What'd you say?
1: I said, that's no good for nobody. If you're trying to grow muscle.
0: Yeah, no. Um, and, uh, I went and I got my test taken and I was at like a 286 or something at 23 years old or at 22 years old. And Mark was like, yeah, I sent Mark a DM and right away he gave me like a, like he gave me like what I should supplement with right away. And so I did that. And then the week later I signed up with him as my coach because I fully planned on doing it. I was kind of just waiting for uh, yeah. quarantine to kind of end, but it kind of expanded that kind of um made it a little bit more expedited with making that decision because I knew for at that sure. point he cared for my health rather than he cared for like he like the fact that I wasn't a client and he gave me a solution right away really shows where he's at. And I mean, I'm at the point where I'm also smoking my body to failure every single time I train. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. did le- I just did legs yesterday, and I'm really uncomfortable sitting down all day. Um, there you <laughs> it's, go, not, man. it's not fun. There's a shot. There's a massage gun like right here, right next to me. Uh, <laughs> just just to do it, just to do it throughout the day. So I'm there now. But I think everybody, this is something that motivates me, and I think you're seeing it yourself. Like. With your clients, like accomplishments, they become, they become something you look forward to more than you look forward to your to your own, and that's honestly like even 100%. though even though my goal is to maybe go IFBB Pro one day, we'll see. Um Where yeah. I am, people are like, "Oh my god, he's on things." No, I'm 100 natural right now. I haven't made that decision. I'm 23 years old. I need to get down my good habits first before I even make that decision. Um, but <laughs> But it's, it's like, I see it right now where I actually love seeing my client stuff more than I like seeing my stuff, but that's because I think it's an internal thing of, we like to tear ourselves down because there's always, a, there's always another gear that you can go to. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, but I totally feel you. And I think that's a really important decision because I knew, I know you were, you just brought it up, but Matt made that same, Matt made that same decision. And I think he was talking about it with Sean. Like when Sean won his 212, I think Matt said something similar. Like he's like, I've had this aspiration of becoming IFBB pro, but nothing beats that feeling of guiding Sean to that 212 to win the 212. So it's like coaches, coaches often, I heard this from a friend today. He was like, coaches can only be a coach for so long until it becomes so big where you can't where you can no longer kind of be that coach that you want to be which is just being a bodybuilder and then a coach it's more you got to be a coach you got to be yeah. a businessman you gotta you got to be there for your clients all the time and it's more gratifying helping those people than than sometimes Hard-time yeah sacrificing sacrificing your goals for the goals of your clients I think is a big thing that a lot of coaches don't think about, but it, your goals will end up being their goals along that way. They end up transitioning to that. So I think that's a big decision that you made. I'm kind of proud of you, bud.
1: I appreciate that, man. Like you said, it was, uh, it's not ever easy to do, man, but when you know, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, for me, for me, it was one of those things. And that, that makes it that much easier. And then obviously having the support I do, um, is great. Like, my, my training partner, I had to tell him cause he's, he's one of my clients and we train hard and actually my client Maverick, who's a men's physique pro is doing is making his pro debut this year. He actually just moved back, um, from BC to Alberta here to train with me and my training partner, Ryan, for his prep. And so making that decision again was very hard for me, but I know for a fact, it's also going to work out because these two train very hard. They train in my garage. They can train together and push each other. And I know for a fact, I'm not kind of walking away from them. You know what I mean? I'm still working with them. I can go pop in the garage and scream at them if I want to still. It's just, (laughs) I'm not going to have them screaming at me to get another rep. And I'm not going to be pushing myself there to do it. Because at this point, I just don't see a whole lot of value in it. And Mm -hmm. I'd way rather see those guys continue to do that. So, like I said, it's been... It, it's been a hard decision, but having those guys and having the conversation with Ryan and uh, telling him, like, hey, man, I'm kind of not going to be able to train anymore with you because I'm going to have to adopt a completely new style of training for myself. And I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board for myself and try to lose a bunch of muscle and, and weight, <laughs> something I've <never laughs> tried to do before. So, It's uh, he was very understanding. He said, no, you're making a good decision too. So it's a lot easier when you have guys like that. And you got my fiance and Matt, even hearing it from you means a lot, man. So there's, there's a ton of those things, right? Like, I know it's going to be hard. I'm not ignorant to the fact that it's going to be hard. I'm a bodybuilder through and through. I always will be man. And having to do other things. But like I said, I have a lot to look forward to in terms of I'll still be a big part of the community. Like one of my goals is to be one of the biggest coaches here in Canada in in that community. And I fully plan on embracing myself and throwing myself into the fire and making that happen. And I don't think it would be possible if I continued to care so much about my own physique. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So So
1: like there's, there's sacrifices to be made and and I think it's a necessary one on this front. And uh, I think it'll prove beneficial for, My longevity and my health, too, and it's going to keep me around a lot longer, so that's never a bad play,
0: yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, well, I'm going to get to the final three questions that I ask every single guest who comes on this show. Um, I'm totally going to get you to come back on though again in 2021 because we have a few other topics. Um, one was actually the mentality of going into the gym, but I mean, you still have so much experience of what it's like to train at that level that I think it would be really cool for a lot of, I've had people like Nick loff on, on the show um, and they've, he knows how to take it to that level. Um, so I love being able to talk about mentalities going into the yeah. gym. So I'll definitely have you come back on sometime in 2021. Uh, but I want
1: to hit well, you I'll with, good, brother. The,
0: yeah. Um, I want to hit you with the final three questions I ask every single guest. And first one is, Uh, What three things do you want people to leave with after listening uh, to this very, I think, very life lesson filled episode?
1: Yeah. So one of them, like we, we talked about before, you have a choice in everything you do and you owe yourself the respect to think about that choice and make the choice that's not made for you. You know what I mean? So in my situation, the choice that was made for me was... You can't train anymore. You can't be a bodybuilder anymore. You have to take this medication. Um, again, don't go against everything you're told and just stop taking medications. <laughs> but make your own decisions. Understand what you can do, that you have a say in what you do in every every single aspect of your life. And if you're in a place you're not happy with or you're in a situation you're not happy with, don't say, poor me. Don't be the victim. Get out of there. Um, the second one, is um just like we goes back to the original conversation we had about coaching when you do things and when you are embracing things do them with intent so the decision that i've made here to kind of pull back on my training there is intent behind that decision because the intent for me is to live till i'm an old man to start a family to put people on Olympia stage one day, hopefully, to turn other people into IFU pros. And I truly don't think that's feasible if I keep pushing the way I do. Um, I think there will be um, an end to that at some point in time, and I don't want that to be anytime soon. So my intent is very thought out. Um, Like I said, it was an emotional decision, but it, it had to be done. And I think we're all faced with situations like this where you might have to do something that's hard but as long as your intentions are right it won't be that hard um and a third one who if we talked about a lot <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> it's i think it the last one has to be lead by example and this would just be for if there's any other coaches listening to this um and obviously me stepping away from what I'm doing currently is can be seen by some and might be criticized by some saying I no longer lead by example. And it's like, well, go ahead. You, 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 hold, that, you hold that torch and you hold it high because I, I think differently. But I think everything you do, if you're gonna lead others or motivate others or push others needs to be done <clears throat> in a way that you're not just saying you're doing, right? Cause it's very easy for me to tell my clients, I want you to train to failure. And then they ask to see a video of it and I send them a video where I cut a set short with like four RIR or something. And they're like, that's failure.
0: <laughs>
1: and That's not okay. Right. So it's no different. And sure there's going to be things behind the scenes where you can cut 20 grams of rice out of your meal, or you can cut 50 grams of rice out of your meal or add in an extra hundred grams of rice, but whether or not people see it, you are not leading by example because you're asking people not to do that and you're doing it. So in any realm in life, lead by example. Those would be the three. We have a choice. Don't be the victim. You have a choice. Do everything you do with intent and lead by example if you're going to be a leader.
0: Awesome. And then second, second to the last one is um, what three books And or podcast, would you recommend everybody either read or listen to?
1: All right. Um, podcast, Justin Mahaley, grow or die. That's a very obvious one. Um, that's Justin and I chat here, there and he's, uh, that podcast is amazing. Everything he's done with it is amazing from the education he provides to the, the comedy on it to how real it is, man. It's, I like, I love it. Um, Oh, there's been a lot of books I have read over the years, my man. (laughs) Uh, What's, uh, so actually I just got, uh, I I haven't read this book yet, but I don't know if you know much about it. And I actually heard about it through, through Justin. We chatted about it. It's called illegally thin. Um, it's about DMP and Ah, I have heard a lot good things about it, so that's what I'm excited to read. I guess that's not one, that's not one that I have read, and the only reason I say that is because um, I do think, think that's something that is very, very…
0: Misconstrued um, in the industry?
1: Yeah, misconstrued in the industry and not understood well, um, but the, the data supports it is very, very convincing, so that's why I'm excited to read it. Um, like I said, he had turned me on to that. Um, oh… Whew. That's a tough, I'm trying to think of other books that I would want to quickly, well, I got a bunch behind me, I can take a look at.
0: <laughs> We're not on video, so this is going to be all good.
1: <laughs> oh, that's, it's, it's a very, very, uh, very basic one there. So honestly, if, you, if you're if you a coach or you're in the industry or you're interested in PEDs or anything, um, Anabolics, the book Anabolics, I have the 10th edition It's extremely informative and it goes into very, very, very good depth about compounds and and how they actually work with the body and so forth. And I think if you're planning on prescribing protocols at any point, this is something that needs to be read. Yeah. So that would be uh, another one. And... I think Joe Rogan's podcast is is, uh, goes, goes without saying it's, it's hilarious, man. And he's uh, it's very insightful too. some of the guys he has on there in terms of other things, right? Like there, he has people from every single realm come on that podcast and you can learn so much. Like even when this whole COVID thing started, he had a bunch of virologists and stuff on there. And like, I listened to an episode and I was like, wow, I learned more about COVID and, an hour podcast that I have the last two months listening to everything and reading everything I have on the internet and so forth. So <laughs> awesome. that's uh, that one's just more of a fun one. I do think that education wise for people in this industry, I think Justin's would get a lot more out of, but Joe Rogan's you can't go wrong with.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. definitely going to read anabolics because I've heard many good things about that. Um, I've actually been recommended to read that book multiple times. So I'm going to pick that up as my next read. Um, so that's it. And then last Another good quote, one,
1: actually thinking, thinking about books. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Hit me with it. I was going to say, uh, it's called anatomy trains and it, uh, deals with like the different slings of muscle and so forth. And it's just how, um, mechanics of of movement ties together it's very very interesting um pretty in depth well with biomechanics movement but it's uh it's very very good awesome
0: um last question is probably going to be the easiest one that you're probably going to answer all day um basically it's shameless plug time where can people find you um anything you want to plug go ahead uh it's your time to shine
1: So I can be found at on Instagram at Braden Miller fit, B-R-A-E-D-E-N-M-I-L-L-E-R fit. Um, And then I also have a team page that I just recently started at Team Miller Elite. Um, That's my my newer company name. It used to be called Miller Time Fitness and Nutrition. And I rebranded within the last six months here to be uh, Miller Elite. So. Yeah, that's a little bit about where you can find me. I would, uh, if anyone wants to hit me up with any questions or anything, definitely slide in the DMs and I would be happy to help with anything. But I just wanted to say thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate you reaching out and setting this up. And I look forward to coming back on whenever we can make that happen.
0: Hell yeah. Um, If you guys who are listening did enjoy this episode and I bet you all did if you guys got this far into it, um, definitely Tag me and Braden on Instagram, on your stories. Uh, show us that you're listening, uh, share it with a friend because I definitely know there's probably someone that needs to hear this episode. Um, go go scroll all the way down, leave a five-star review, uh, rating, uh, subscribe to the podcast, and go follow Braden too on Instagram while you're at it. Um, we appreciate you listening to this episode. And Braden can't wait to get you back on. And uh, have a great have a great day and thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Ace Spade podcast.